At 5.06 p.m., clerk, can you please take a roll call for attendance? On the call of the roll, Commissioner Wong? Present. Commissioner Wong, present. Uh, Commissioner Adair? Commissioner there present. Commissioner Loftus? Present. Commissioner Loftus present. Uh, Commissioner Miller? Present. Commissioner Miller present. Officer Lasana? Present. Officer Lasana present. Uh, Commissioner Anish? Present. Commissioner Anish present. Officer Utting? Present. Officer Utting present. Uh, Commissioner Colleen? Present. Commissioner Colleen present. Uh, Commissioner Pimentel? Present. Commissioner Pimentel present. Vice Chair Barker Plummer? Present. Vice Chair Barker Plummer present. Officer Hum? Present. Officer Hum present. Officer Shaw? Present. Officer Shaw present. Commissioner M? Uh, they are absent. Uh, Commissioner Hillman? Present. Commissioner Hillman present. C Commissioner Terrell is absent. And then uh, Commissioner Mirtha? Present. Commissioner Mirtha is present, also welcome. And then uh, Chair Wynn? Present. Chair Wynn is present. And then uh, marking that Commissioner M came at 507. So with uh, 16 present, you have quorum. Great, thank you. Um, also, before we move on, I do want to acknowledge that we have a new commissioner with us today. Um, so this is Sophia Mirza. Um, do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Um, so my name is Sophia Mirza. I am a junior at Abraham Lincoln High School, and I've lived in San Francisco my entire life. Um, I live in the Excelsior District, District 11. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and feel, feel free to just like stop us if you have any questions or anything. Um, okay. So looks like the only commissioner absent was Commissioner Terrell um, and Commissioner M, but I believe Commissioner M is here now. Um, is there any motions to excuse Commissioner Terrell? Do we know why he's not here today? Commissioner M notified me, uh, not M, um, Commissioner Terrell notified me um, last Thursday that he will not be present today. He emailed Joy an explanation. Um, I was later CC'd in her response, so not too sure. It's probably a, a family thing. School trip. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there any motions on the table? Commissioner Shaw, motion to approve the absence. Seconded. Commissioner Shaw, motions to approve Commissioner Terrell's absence, seconded by Commissioner Hillman. Um, is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak, please press star three if you're joining us via the WebEx app and you have no public comment. Great. Public comment is now closed, um, so we'll be taking a voice vote to excuse this absence. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed, say nay. Okay, so Commissioner Terrell is excused. Clerk, can you please call item number two? Item number two is communications. The minutes will reflect that the Youth Commission participated in this meeting in person with remote access. The Commission recognizes that public access to city services is essential and invites public participation in the following ways. First, public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are available via phone call by calling 415-655-001, meeting ID 2490-993-3980, then pound and then pound again. Or you can call us or join us online through the WebEx system. When you're connected, you will hear 
the meeting discussions, but you'll be muted in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, please dial star three to be added to the speaker line if you've called in, or you can join us via WebEx or in, raise your hand in the app. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to the Youth Commission at youthcom.sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, be forwarded to the commissioners and be included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall at 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, Room 345, San Francisco, California, 94102. Those attending the meeting in person will have the opportunity to speak in public comment first before remote access. That concludes my communications. Thank you. Or can you please call item number three? Item number three is approval of the agenda. So, commissioners, now is the time to look over today's agenda. As a reminder, there's an expectation that everyone checks the agenda prior to the meeting, and I'll accept any motions whenever y'all are ready. Uh, sorry, motion to approve with the amendment that we strike item eight. Any seconds? Seconded, Commissioner Miller. Commissioner Barker Plummer motions to approve the agenda, striking item number eight, seconded by Commissioner Miller. Is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak, oh my God, I can't speak right now. If members of the public would like to speak, please raise your hand in the WebEx app. And Chair, you have no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Clerk, can you please call item, oh, sorry. Now we're going to be taking a voice vote um, to approve the agenda. All those in favor of approving the agenda, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed, say nay. Great. The agenda has passed. Clerk, can you please call item number four? Item number four is approval of the minutes. Um, so now we'll be looking at the minutes from the April 17th full youth commission meeting. Um, now is the time to look over these minutes if you haven't, and I'll accept any motions whenever you all are ready. Motion to approve the minutes by Commissioner Colleen. Seconded by Commissioner Anish. Commissioner Colleen motions to approve the minutes, seconded by Commissioner Anish. Um, is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak, please press star three. And Chair, I believe you have no public comment. Great. The minutes have passed. Clerk, can you please call item number five? Item number five is public comment on matters not on today's agenda item. Yeah, she did. Sorry. Apologies. Um, item number five is general public comment for matters under the jurisdiction of the Full Youth Commission, but not on today's agenda. Members of the public who wish to speak may provide public comment on this matter should start to line up behind the podium and or press star three now if you're calling remotely. And I believe you have no public comment. Great. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Um, clerk, can you please call item number six? Item number six is resolutions. Okay, um, so it looks like the first resolution is the one about the gun violence restraining orders. Um, I believe we did the first reading during our last meeting and there were some changes made to the resolution. Um, so I'll pass it off to commissioners that were involved, Barker, Plummer, Shaw, and Colleen. Thank you, Chair Wynn. Um, so just to explain this a little bit, obviously gun violence is a national crisis that San Francisco is unfortunately not immune to. Um, it's also not immune to the disparities that our communities face when it comes to the crisis of gun violence. Um, a key component 
to keeping the weapons out of hands of dangerous people is red flag laws. Um, California was the first state in the nation to uh, implement a red flag law following a terror killing in Isla Vista. Um, and we have one of the strongest uh, red flag laws in the country. Although, unfortunately, many people, particularly in San Francisco, where gun violence is not as big of a topic as discussed, but is still much of an issue, um, are not aware of the ability to request a gun violence restraining order or GVRO. Um, as it states in the resolution, 65% of Californians don't know about gun violence restraining orders. 52% of California firearm owners don't know about GVROs. And I think the most shocking statistic is that 71% of Californians who live with someone who owns a firearm do not know um, about gun violence restraining orders. So this is a really key component that people are not aware of um, when it comes to keeping our communities safe from gun violence and especially our um, school communities safe from gun violence. Um, so we worked on this resolution. I would like to thank commissioners um, Shaw and Colleen for helping me write this resolution, as well as Commissioners Utting, Wynn, and Pimentel for co-sponsoring. Um, since our first reading, we have made some edits, which we'll go through in a minute. Um, but first, I want to see if either of the other sponsors have anything they want to say. You summed it up really well. Okay. Um, in that case, we can just go through the edits, and if we each want to go through one and rotate that way, if that makes oh, sense. So we're, we're not reading the entire thing. Just that no, I think we, I mean, I, I tried to make it so that all of the edits were italicized so we wouldn't have to do that. Okay. So the first edit is um, the uh, title, basically adding at the end, and to create a dedicated team to processing and pursuing gun violence restraining order requests from members of the public. Do you want me to go next? Yeah. Okay. Um, one, two, three, four. On the fourth, whereas we included in the United States. On the fifth, whereas we included black and Latino men between the ages of 18 to 35 are disproportionately impacted by and the highest risk of gun violence in San Francisco and. Then uh, we made firearms, plural. Uh, and then we had a, on the fourth page, uh, whereas a 2021 report from the San Francisco Chronicle found that San Francisco was consistently behind the Bay Area average for issuances of GVROs between 2017 and 2020, and that GVROs, quote, went nearly unused in San Francisco in the first three years of the red flag law, end quote. The clause after that we took out a specific team and instead included, quote, gun violence restraining order units, end quote. We then added a clause, um, whereas the aforementioned unit processes approximately 30, processes, excuse me, approximately 30 GBRO requests, referrals from local police every week. Senator, your turn. Um, and then the next clause was added, whereas the aforementioned unit has successfully fired for a GVRO more than 1,350 times between the end of 2017 and April 2022. And? And then on page, the last page, page four, the further resolve, the first one is um, we added that the San Francisco Youth Commission urges the city and county of San Francisco to explore and, if applicable, apply for grant funding to expand training, education, and outreach on utilizing gun violence training orders and be it. And then lastly, um, in the clause following, instead of work together, we change the wording to collaborate. Yeah. Is that it? That's all. Yeah. Great. Um, well, thank you guys so much for adding the changes to um, 
talk about the definition of a GVRO and also like more San Francisco information um, on how behind San Francisco is on the whole process. Um, does anyone have any comments or questions about the changes made to the resolution? I don't know. I guess this is just like procedural, but I don't think the the one defining it at the top of page two, um, or I don't think either of the changes on page two are read into the record, but that's underlined there. Page I'm assuming two. the underlined. Oh, it's where it says like whereas a gun violence restraining order GVRO. I don't think that was read, but oh, can I just read? I'll it do it now, just in case. Whereas a gun violence restraining order GVRO is a California court order that prohibits an individual from possessing a firearm or firearms and or ammunition in the case a court finds reasonable cause to believe that an individual poses an immediate and present danger of causing personal injury to themselves or another by having in their possession a firearm or firearms and or ammunition and. Um, oh, and then the other is in the next clause, we took out gun violence restraining order and replaced it with GVRO. Great. Thank you for reading aloud those changes. Are there any other questions in regards to the second reading? Um, seeing none, thank you guys all so much for working on this resolution. Um, I think we can go to public comment. Is there any public comment on this item of the agenda? If members of the public would like to speak, plus, oh, sorry, sorry. I need to take a motion first. Oh, yeah. I'll move it. Sorry. My bad. Second, any seconds? Seconded, Commissioner Utting. Commissioner Barker-Plummer motions to approve this resolution, seconded by Commissioner Utting. Um, again, thank you guys all for your work on it. Now we'll be taking public comment. Is there any public comment on the resolution? If members of the public would like to speak, please press star three. And you have no public comment. Great, thank you. Um, now we'll be moving to a voice vote. All those in favor of approving this resolution, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed say nay. Great, so congrats. Um, your resolution has passed. And then on to the next item. So the next resolution is regarding um, protected bike lanes and safety infrastructure on Arguello, um, presenting, presented by Commissioners Bark Barker Plummer and Miller. Um, Commissioner Miller, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so um, I don't know. Um, basically, this is a resolution that's um, following uh, many community calls from organizations such as um, Kids Safe San Francisco, uh, the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition, um, and several other community orgs that um, work for um, safer streets in San Francisco. And it's largely in response. Um, I believe a uh, 16-year-old youth was um, injured at um, California and Arguello Boulevard pretty severely um, last fall. And then just recently, um, I believe there was a champion cycler, um, Ethan Boys, I believe is his name, who was um, hit and killed by a drunk driver um, just inside the Presidio on Arguello Boulevard. Um, currently, Arguello Boulevard um, has um, what's called buffered bike lanes. Um, so there are bike lanes there, but the, the bike lanes are just paint. There's no actual physical protection um, to protect um, cycle, cyclists. And another big concern along Arguello Boulevard is the intersections. It intersects with many high traffic streets such as Fulton, Geary, California Street um, that are very dangerous and where a lot of um, incidents occur. A large portion of the street is also part of the city's high injury network, which is about I think the 20% of streets that make up about 80% of uh, 
injuries and fatalities um, in San Francisco. So this is um, one of the more dangerous streets in San Francisco. And what this resolution does is calls for um, physical infrastructure uh, improvements to the bicycle lanes and uh, in the intersections, uh, both within uh, the San Francisco jurisdiction, SFMTA, um, in the city, and then also for the Presidio Trust and the National Park Service, which have jurisdiction over the portion that's within the Presidio National Park. Great. Thank you so much. Um, did you guys want to read the resolution out loud? Um, I, I guess we have to. So, um, yes. Um, so, um, I guess me and Commissioner Barker Plummer can um, take turns. Um, Great. Okay. Protected bike lanes and safety infrastructure, Arguello Boulevard, resolution urging the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency to install protected bike lanes and intersection safety improvements on Arguello Boulevard from Golden Gate Park to the Presidio Gate, urging the mayor uh, and district one and two supervisors to support protected bike lanes and intersection safety improvements on Arguello Boulevard from Golden Gate Park to the Presidio Gate, urging the Presidio Trust to install physically protected bike lanes and intersection safety improvements from the Presidio Gate to Sheridan Avenue and urging the mayor and board of supervisors to urge the Presidio Trust to install physically protected bike lanes and intersection safety improvements from the Presidio Gate to Sheridan Avenue. Whereas Arguello Boulevard is an important <coughs> is an important component of San Francisco's bicycle network linking Golden Gate Park, including JFK Promenade to Commercial Corridors, Rossi Park, Slow Lake Street, and Presidio National Park, and... Whereas, Arguello Boulevard between Geary Boulevard and West Pacific Avenue is part of the high injury network, the 13% of streets where 75% of severe or fatal traffic collisions occur, and... Whereas, Arguello Boulevard marks the border between District 1 and 2, which both severely lack physical protected bike lanes, with Arguello Boulevard being no exception, and the current bike lanes provide no physical separation from parking and vehicle travel lanes, and... Whereas, in November 2022, a 16-year-old cyclist was severely injured after being hit by a vehicle at the intersection of Arguello Boulevard and California Street. And, in April of 2023, U.S. cycling champion Ethan Boys was killed by a driver at Arguello, on Arguello Boulevard in the Presidio and. Whereas, in December 2022, the San Francisco Bicycle Advisory Committee passed a resolution calling for protected bike lanes and intersection safety improvements on Arguello Boulevard and. Whereas, the San, Fran or whereas San Francisco has committed to Vision Zero with the goal of ending traffic fatalities on city streets by 2024, but as stated in Youth Commission Resolution Number 2223-AL10, little progress has been made, and the city is not on track to meet its 2024 goal. And Whereas, San Francisco has also, also has a mode shift goal that states, quote, the city will shift 80% of trips to sustainable travel choices by 2030, more people walking and biking on safe streets in San Francisco, getting health benefits from physical activity, cleaner air, and less traffic noise, helps make it safer for everyone and every street, end quote, and... Whereas, San Francisco has adopted a transit-first policy, which states, quote, decisions regarding the use of limited public street and sidewalk space shall encourage the use of public rights-of-way by pedestrians, bicyclists, and public transit, and shall strive to reduce traffic and improve public health and safety. And, quote, bicyclists shall be, or bicycling shall be promoted by encouraging safe streets for riding, convenient access to transit, bicycle lanes, and secure bike parking. Now, therefore, be it. 
Resolved that the 2022 to 2023 Youth Commission of the City and County of San Francisco urges the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency to expeditiously install physically protected bike lanes and intersection safety improvements on Arguello Boulevard from Golden Gate Park to the Presidio Gate and beyond. Further resolved that the 2022-2023 Youth Commission of the City and County of San Francisco call on, calls on Mayor London Breed, District 1 Supervisor Connie Chan, and District 2 Supervisor Catherine Stefani uh, to support these safety improvements and their ex expeditious installment, and be it. Further resolved that the 2022-2023 Youth Commission of the City and County of San Francisco urges the Presidio Trust to install... Physically protected bike lanes and intersection safety improvements from the Presidio Gate to Sheridan Avenue and beyond. Further resolved that the 2022-2023 Youth Commission of the City and County of San Francisco urges the Board of Supervisors, Mayor, and San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency to urge the Presidio Trust to install physically protected bike lanes and intersection safety improvements from the Presidio Gate to Sheridan Avenue. Great. Um, well, thank you so much, Commissioners Miller and Barker Plummer, for your work on this resolution. Um, like mentioned in the resolution earlier, the Youth Commission passed a Vision Zero resolution, so I think this is really important in terms of pushing those goals forward. Does anyone have any questions or comments on the resolution? Seeing none, is there a motion to approve this resolution. Yeah, we were hoping to, um, especially seeing that there's no um, comments on this and that this is like um, somewhat of a urgent matter considering the two, um, you know, recent injuries and a fatality. Um, we were hoping that um, we could vote to suspend the bylaws and um, pass this resolution on its first reading today if there's no objection. Okay, is that your motion? Can you say the motion? Sure. Um, motion to suspend the bylaws. I don't know. Do I need to say a specific section? Um, I'm double checking to make sure there is language regarding this because from my knowledge, it was procedure, not in the bylaws. It's bylaws is under action legislation. Um, then, yeah, you can just say suspend okay. the bylaws to allow um, action on first reading. Okay, great. Okay, so my motion is to suspend the bylaws um, to allow action on the this resolution's first reading and approve resolution number 2223 AL21, protected bike lanes and safety uh, infrastructure on Arguello Boulevard. Second. Commissioner Miller, motions to suspend the bylaws and pass this resolution, seconded by Commissioner Barker Plummer. Is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak, please press start three and you have no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Now we'll be doing a voice vote for this resolution. All those in favor of approving, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed say nay. Congrats to Commissioners Miller and Barker Plummer for passing this resolution on such an important matter. Um, we'll be moving on to the next item of the agenda, which is letters of support. Clerk, can you please call item number seven? Item number seven is letters of support. Great. Um, so starting off with the Department of Environment budget ask, oh, which is mine. Um, do I have to, I don't have to read it, right? I can just explain it. No. Yeah, no, I, I okay. just explain the letter. Um, well, basically last year on my first term, I wrote a resolution um, to 
have the mayor and board of supervisors fund the Department of Environment for their climate action plan after they had included zero dollars for it um, in like the first round of budget, whatever budget addbacks or something. Um, and then so this year, after the Department of Environment presented to us, I wanted to write a letter um, to support their ask and to urge the mayor and board of supervisors to take more action in funding them um, just because, you know, climate change is such an important is issue, especially for like youth in the city um, and especially for San Francisco as a coastal city. Um, so, yeah, that's it's, it's a pretty straightforward letter basically just talks about like how the youth commission is like very driven to make San Francisco more equitable and sustainable. Um, and we've been concerned about the climate crisis and how HRT, our committee specifically, has worked on many initiatives to make San Francisco more walkable, um, you know, through supporting slow streets, you know, the closure of great highways, and also like free muni for all youth, and how we really appreciate the work that the Department of Environment has done. And we want the mayor and the board of supervisors to fund the climate action plan. So. Um, I said that we would support all of their budget asks and how San Francisco needs to take more action to address the climate crisis and funding the Department of Environment is a way to do so. Um, so that's basically the letter to sum it up. Does anyone have any questions? So I guess I have a concern regarding, so the Department of Environment came to present to us, I want to say like two meetings ago. Yes. Um, and my understanding from their presentation was basically that the Office of Budget and Finance issued budget instructions via the mayor. They went to all department heads. The Department of Environment created a budget that didn't follow those instructions and increased spending even when we are needing to cut across the board because of a deficit. And then instead of following those instructions, have basically proposed them as two different items. And I'm willing, I mean, I understand that environment is a deeply important issue, and I think that we definitely need to meet our um, goals when it comes to this. At the same time, I'm a little bit concerned that when I asked them about that at the meeting, they didn't seem to have a very concrete answer for why they didn't follow the budget instructions. So I was wondering if before we pass this, we could go ahead and speak to someone from the Department of Environment um, about that, and if we could table to the next meeting. Mm. I would just add that, I mean, I think I don't exactly remember like the specifics of the question that you asked them and what their response was. But, you know, I think climate action is not something that we can put a certain dollar amount to. And I think it's something that we have to continue to invest in regardless of how much the mayor wants to spend on it. Right. So while I do like value and appreciate the mayor's budget instructions, and it's very important because we have a large city deficit, I think it's okay to you know, dream big about how much money we want to invest in the world and save our planet. So I would just go with passing it on, not this first reading, but not tabling it because well, I... It would either be passed now or not, or passed it. Or oh, because it's a motion? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying about the environment and about the climate plan. And I, I mean, I, I worked with you to write the resolution last year when the, um, when it wasn't funded and we had to, and the supervisors did end up funding it. At the same time, like, I, I genuinely don't really know. I, I, have, I didn't get an answer to my question as to, like, why they didn't follow the, the same process that every other department is expected to, to follow. So 
I mean, that's my concern. So that's why I'm asking if we could table it until the next meeting and within that time, reach out to the Department of Environment. I'm not against it. Mm -hmm. I think that this is definitely an area where San Francisco should be spending money. I'm just concerned that that question wasn't really answered. And especially given that every department is being asked to cut funding, they sort of chose not to. Well, have you tried to reach out to them? Because I've been in contact with them after, you know, I asked them for like their input on this letter as well as in contact with them about the program that I brought up that currently excludes people under the age of 18, the emergency ride home. And they've been in contact with me. So I don't know. I just think like if it was such a big issue, um, you could reach out to them before, like in anticipation of this. And then I'd also say that like we have our own BPPs. We don't, you know, the mayor, If you can agree with the mayors or disagree, but like we set our own budget and policy priorities and that's what we advocate for. Fair. What I'm, and I would appreciate if you would put me in contact with your connection at the Department of Environment between now and the next meeting, because I think that this is a question that's worth asking and answering. Um, I just think that every department was expected to, to perform the same task. And, and my understanding, and I want to be very clear that I could be wrong, is that they chose not to. So I would just move to table to the next meeting, and I, I really, truly would like to connect with them and just ask them the question and find out. Is that a motion? It's for the minutes. Mm -hmm. Are there any seconds? Seconded, Commissioner Ating. Could I make an alternate motion? Mm -hmm. uh, I'd motion to approve. Seconded. So we'll be taking the second motion first. Um, can we please take a roll call vote for the motion? Commissioner Miller motions. Discussion on public. Oh, yeah. Is there any discussion on either motions? I think I just want to clarify um, as somebody who's not part of HRT, and I cannot remember when you asked this question, just to clarify, yeah, make it concise on your reasoning for table. Like, could you specify the question? Like, a, what you want to ask them. I just want to make sure I understand. So, I mean, we all know the budget yeah. process, right? Like the mayor and, I mean, it's not really the mayor, it's the budget and finance office, which is overseen by the administration, um, puts forward budget instructions. And because of the fiscal um, outlook with this uh, year, um, they instructed all departments to cut by, I want to say something like between five and 15%, um, because that's how, budgets work. Um, and when the Department of Environment came, they basically said they did follow that. They got to a $1.5 million budget, I want to say. And then they were going to request an additional supplemental from the Board of Supervisors for $3.5 million. So I just want clarification from them on quite why they did that. And if there's a reason that either within the administration, they you know, chose not to include that and sort of exempt it from this reduction. Or, you know, if they, you know, I guess one of the concerns could be that they're spending more money than other departments and therefore we need to, you know, we, they, they need to, to play the same game a little bit. Thank you for clarifying. Oh. Great, um, are there any other questions in regards to Commissioner Miller's motion. Is that a hand? Do you have a question for, no, I didn't, sorry. Okay, 
Um, and then I take discussion and question from the, for the second motion, right? Um, no, so I do the first motion. Yeah, the, the second motion. You go from okay. Back. Is there any public comment on Commissioner Miller's motion? If members of the public would like to speak, please press star three. And you have no public comment. Great. Um, so now we'll be doing a roll call vote on the motion to approve the letter. Um, staff, can you please take a roll call vote? Uh, yes. Uh, Commissioner Wong? Aye. Commissioner Wong, aye. Commissioner Adair? Aye. Commissioner Adair, aye. Uh, Commissioner Loftus? Nay. Commissioner Loftus, nay. Commissioner Miller? Aye. Commissioner Miller, aye. Uh, Officer Lestana? Aye. Officer Lestana, aye. Uh, Commissioner Onish? Aye. Commissioner Onish, aye. Uh, Officer Udding? Nay. Officer Udding, nay. Commissioner Colleen? Aye. Commissioner Colleen, aye. Commissioner Pimentel? Nay. Commissioner Pimentel, nay. Vice Chair Barker Plummer? Nay. Vice Chair Barker Plummer, nay. Officer Hum? Nay. Officer Hum, nay. Uh, Officer Shaw? Nay. Officer Shaw, nay. Commissioner M? Sorry, aye. Commissioner M, aye. Um, Commissioner Adair, or no, sorry, <laughs> Commissioner Terrell is absent. Uh, commis Commissioner Mursa? Aye. Commissioner Mursa, aye. Uh, Commissioner Hillman? Nay. Commissioner Hillman, nay. And then Chair Wynn? Aye. Chair Wynn, aye. Okay. That's close. That's so close. It's exciting. We have some drama. And then we have <laughs> We have nine eyes. Yeah. And seven nay. With um Loftus, Ting, Pimentel, Parker, Plummer, Hum, Shaw, and Hillman in the descent. The motion passes. Yeah, it passes. Great. Um, the next motion. The next motion. Okay, so now we'll be doing a roll call vote for the second motion. Sorry. Wait, we still have to do that? Well, my yeah. question is, it was an alternate motion from Commissioner Miller as opposed to a second independent motion. So how do, I don't know if that changes. You, do you retract your original motion? So we would have to go through this one. Unless you retract your motion. And then point of clarification, in the case that I didn't and we did vote to table it, then what action would happen? What? I'll, I'll withdraw. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it would, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, so thank you guys all so much for your discussion and questions. Um, if you guys would like to reach out to Joseph from the Department of Environment, um, Commissioner Miller is happy to send over the contact information. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for engaging. On to the next thing. Um, okay, so the next letter is the Larkin Street Youth Services Budget Ask, um, and Commissioner Adair and Commissioner Wong have worked on this and will be presenting it. All right. Sorry. It's not in the supporting documents. 
at least on the website. Where? The Larkin Street Youth Services Budget Ask PDF. It's in the email. Okay, but then it's. I'm just letting okay. staff know that it wasn't on the supporting docs on the website. That is okay. okay. We will upload it after the meeting. It is within procedure. Can I take a really quick one and quick? Yeah. Uh, okay, so Commissioner Adair and Commissioner Wong, feel free to explain the letter whenever you're ready. All right. Um, I can speak first. Please speak into the mic. Great Thank reminder. You. I'll speak about this first, and then Commissioner Wong, if you want to add as well. Um, first of all, I'll, I'll note that we might want to make revision or two because I don't think there's any. Uh, this is just you know the the body of the letter itself. There's no no um, introduction or like sincerely, but you know we can add that as as to whatever official format would be. Um, just to explain the letter, um, you know, Larkin Street came to present to us. Um, it was a few weeks, maybe a month ago now, and, um, and and we were called upon to write a letter of support. And Chloe and I met with um, met with three representatives from Larkin Street last Monday before our HRT meeting. We spoke for about twenty minutes, and what they outlined to us is that um, is as opposed to offering you know an, like a an exact dollar amount in terms of budgetary support. What they really need is they need the youth commission to be supporting or to be um, urging the city to divert funds towards addressing issues of homelessness and healthcare and other services that vulnerable youth and Tay youth in their twenties badly need, and um, and that and that takes the form of um, you know just funding um, services such as HSH, which provides about half of uh, Larkin Street's thirty million dollars of annual funding. Um, so that they can, you know, allocate contracts to them, which usually last about three years. Um, in the letter itself, we explain a lot of this. If you have anything you want to add, Commissioner Wong. Essentially, they wanted us to ask the mayor and the board of supervisors to um, adopt their budget priorities and their budget asks and take it on as their own. Um, I think their main focuses were um, surrounding food insecurity. Um, I think it was also uh, job readiness and um, things like that. And so basically, they wanted us to push their um, that that sort of agenda that they 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 put in their priorities. Because we originally thought that they wanted money for their own organization, but then we realized like, oh, they're a nonprofit. Um, and so I think, yeah. That's about it. Great. Um, thank you so much, Commissioners Adair and Wong, for working on this letter. Does anyone have any questions or comments? Um, seeing none, is there a motion to approve this letter? Motion. Go ahead. <laughs> Motion to approve. Seconded by Commissioner Colleen. Um, yeah. Hold up. Can we? Can we? Can we like make an, like a? Can we? Can we like motion to approve with a revision of like adding sincerely to like our names and then you San Francisco Youth Commission under that? Yeah, and like to the beginning because I feel like we're miss, missing the um, who we're addressing it to. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> you want to change your motion? Sure. So, motion to approve. I, it, that's like formatting stuff. Okay. Is it? It's not really content. You could, you could just say like motion to approve, okay. and include a salutation and sign off. 
Okay, motion to approve, including a salutation and a sign-off. I love that word. <laughs> All right. And then still seconded. Commissioner Miller motions to approve the letter with a salutation and a sign-off, seconded by Commissioner Colleen. Um, is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak on this matter, please press star 3 if you're joining us via WebEx. And you have no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Um, and then now we'll be taking a voice vote on this letter. So all those in favor of approving it, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, say nay. Great. Um, so congrats to Commissioners Adair and Wong for passing this letter. Also, thank you so much for your work in supporting Larkin Street Youth Services. Um, and then on to the next item, which is AB 1520, presented by Vice Chair Barker Plummer. Why, thank you. Um, sorry, I need to pull up that one really quick. This is, okay. So. Oh, wait, I've just confused myself. Yeah. That's not that This is AB 1520? Yeah. Is that in the packet? Was that included in the, I might be, is it? It's in the folder. I don't the see it folder. in my folder. Oh, the like folder. physical folder. Oh, I was like, is not it? on the computer? I don't know what that is. Um, is it? Should so, be in the folder. Yeah. So AB 1520, while I find it, is um, basically improving the civic engagement education we have here in California and sort of requiring all high schools in the state to do it. I was approached by um, John Trasvina from Generation Citizen, or the like, California chapter of Generation Citizen, who are very supportive of this and are um, asked us to pass it. So I told him I'd introduce it, and it's... Um, it really falls in line with our priorities on civic engagement and education committee. It's not in this. I don't think it's in it. Maybe I'm blind, but it's not on the supporting documents either. I mean, I'm not very good at computers, so I could. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's not. It's not in the physical folder. They were emailed to Oh. Oh, it is in the email. Yes, it is. Sorry, what is the okay. what's the subject of it? Do you want to I don't know. Do you want to re-explain? Well, I can't, but I'm also wondering if we want to move no, to like the next, this, what's the to the next letter of support and give commissioners a minute to read. Is the, this the state seal of civic yeah. engagement network? State seal. Yeah, I don't know why it's like interesting. That, but, you can just explain it now. Okay. Yeah. So um it addresses persistent gaps in civic engagement equity and access by creating a network to co-facilitate state collaborations between community-based organizations and local uh, education agencies. So basically connecting local public schools with local nonprofits that are working with youth for civic engagement. Um, I know that this is an idea that came from the MLK Center in Oakland, the MLK Freedom Center in Oakland, um, as that's one of their priorities is connecting particularly marginalized communities in Oakland with um, with just engagement, uh, with civic engagement and involvement in the political process, much like we're doing here today. Um, it is uh, introduced by Assemblymember Mia Bonta, 
um, and has pretty wide support in the state legislature. Thank you, Commissioner Barker Plummer, for working on this letter. Um, does anyone have any questions about AB 1520 or about the letter? Can I move to approve? Oh, also, my last name is spelled wrong. So <laughs> I would fix that. Can I move to approve with the correction of Chair Wynn's last name? Seconded. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, Commissioner Barker Plummer motions to approve the letter with the amendment to fix my last name, seconded by Commissioner Wynn. Um, okay. Is, is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak, please press star three. And you have no public comment. Great. Thank you so much. Um, okay. Now we'll be moving into a voice vote for this letter. All those in favor of supporting it, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed, please say nay. Great. Um, on to the next item, which is SB 691, presented by Vice Chair Barker Plummer, Commissioner Loftus, and Commissioner Utting. Chair Nguyen, before we keep going, can I take a point of personal yeah. privilege? Yeah. So I'm introducing this letter of support um, as a learning difference student and commissioner. So um, SB 691 would require universal dyslexia screening for all California students, essentially saying um, the current status is that they aren't screened for dyslexia. Um, I think it's around second or third grade that that typically happens when kids are beginning to learn to read. and um, this would basically require the state to sort of do the first step when it comes to seeing if a student is dyslexic. Once someone is screened to be dyslexic and they're seen as, you know, that's possible that they are dyslexic or have another learning difference, they're then referred, in theory anyway, they're then referred to testing, which is its own very um, inequitable issue. But um, it would be a first step in making sure that every kid is really, is really seen independently and has their issues met early on, which as a, as a, on a personal note, was really key to my success in school, especially in middle and high school, was knowing what my learning differences was and having those um, accommodated. So it, it's a, it's a, I wanted to introduce this to do that, and I'm grateful to commissioners uh, Loftus and Utting for co-sponsor, for sponsoring it with me. Um, do you want to say anything? Um, I would just second everything that Commissioner Barker Plummer said, and once again emphasize that. I think this is especially important for making sure that kids have this issue addressed early on because then then you know how to work with that issue moving forward. And so um, I think it's very important that this happens as soon as possible and happens as early as possible. Yeah, um, we're already screened for so many things. Maybe just this is something that you actually need to be in school. Um, I would just say the only opposition I've heard to this was from CTA, the Teachers Association, although I think that may have been resolved since I heard about that. I think I heard recently, I could be wrong, but I think I heard recently that um, they did end up endorsing it now that the state has sort of promised that they will also fund this program, not just require it. So, Are, are there any questions? Yeah, I had a question. Does, do you know if SFUSD already does this? Like, is this 
something that we don't do already? I don't believe so. Okay. And do you know, I know it mentions in here that um, pe parents could opt out by submitting something in writing. Do you know if there's any provision that would notify parents and, or I guess in elementary school, you wouldn't really notify the students, but like parents of their right to opt out? I believe so. I, if I remember correctly, there was some notification to parents that this would be happening was required as part of the legislation. I mean, I assume it would be included in whatever beginning of year packet is given to students of that grade level. And I will add from personal experience with all types of things that were automatically opted into, I've always, my parents have always received a form to opt us out. Well, the reason I ask is because I opted out of the SBAC this year, which we have a right to do, as well as the school climate survey. And they made it very difficult um, both times. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't really know why a parent would opt out a kid from this. So there's, I mean, I, sure. I, don't, I, mean, think, people, I don't think it would be. People want to opt out for various reasons. Yeah, I mean, no, they have the right to do that, and they should. Um, but I don't think it would be commonly used either, is what I'm saying. Are there any other questions in regard to this letter or the bill? Wait, I'm just a little more curious on like the status and the process now. Like, what does screening look like? Um, that's a good question. My understanding is that so basically the first step of diagnosis is like a teacher identifying a student, and I think basically this would just mean that every student would be considered a possible candidate. Um, but I'm not a teacher. I don't have the answer to this to the specific question. Yes. Um, my suggestion would be we can bring someone with the specialty of, of this topic or um, like a legislative aide who wrote this legislation too. If y'all have any like additional questions regarding it. Mm. Well, I'm sure I could research what the screening processes look like. Um, I'm just a little curious to like what changes this bill would make in terms of like what what screening processes exist now um, and like how this would change anything. My understanding is that there is no current screening process. It's only in the case that a teacher feels like mm. a student needs it that they then, you know, either alert the parent or have the school perform testing. Whereas in this case, they would basically at least uh, screen every student and take a closer look, basically. Okay. I don't. I, I'm sorry, I don't know how to explain it, one, because I'm not a, a teacher, and two, because I think it's something that the students wouldn't really see, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's some kind of reading fluency test and comprehension test. That's generally, like, the first step when it comes to dyslexia. So instead of it being some students, it would probably be all students taking that kind of screening test. Because I know they do in SFUSD. They have, like, I, I don't know, people complain about it, but they have, like, the, I think it's called Fontis and Pinal. It's, like... This curriculum, the teacher takes you outside, they give you the two books, and you, like, have to read through them, and they, like, mark something. I remember doing that. So, I don't know, maybe that's not a dyslexia test. That's more but... of a ensuring that you're reading at the proper grade level. That's just standard, I think. Yeah. That's just how they measure what your reading level is, as opposed to specifically screening for dyslexia. Interesting. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't know, because I just I was looking at the bill analysis just now, and it says that they're giving money to the Department of Education to, like, develop what tools they're going to use to use this. So it seems like they don't even know what they're going to use yet. I mean, I think it's more a matter of doing it on a larger scale. And because it's a program that requires districts to do something, the state has to appropriate funds in order for them to do it. Yeah, because there's funds appropriated to, like, the local education districts, and then there's to the state to, like, develop the program to, like, send to the... Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'll just say this. Also, our understanding of learning disabilities and, I mean, education in general is really bad um, yeah. and is constantly developing. So I think there might be some intentional um, space in there as well to allow the Department of Education to sort of deem what the best policy would be, um, especially as more research comes out on how best to, to educate people with dyslexia. Are there any other questions? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I do. I do have additional questions, but I can just research that on my own time later. Um, is there a motion to approve this letter? Motion to approve, Commissioner Utting. Seconded, Commissioner Loftus. Commissioner Utting motions to approve the letter, seconded by Commissioner Loftus. Is there any discussion on the motion? I'm sorry, maybe this is like more of a question, but I'm looking now and it still shows the California Association of Teachers as well as California Association of Bilingual Education like uh, in opposition. Do we know any reason why they were in opposition? The reason I've heard is that they were worried that appropriate funds and support was not going to be given to teachers in order to implement it. It's, it's more work for teachers to screen every student and they were worried that they weren't going to get support for that which is an ongoing conversation. Okay. So, it's still in the legislative process, I think, is why that is that way, if that makes sense. Alondra? Um, I think the bill is dead. Uh, so I'm just researching right now. It was placed in the suspense file for appropriations. On the appropriations committee? Yeah. <sighs> so I think the legislation died, and this was uh, like a few days ago. A couple of days ago? Mm-hmm. You can still move to approve this um, since the the intent is there, I guess. Um, and we can still send this to the, the author of the legislation. Yeah, and I think it would also put on our official radar that we want when hopefully this is reintroduced next year, um, we can support it. I know that the Board of Supervisors, I don't know if they passed it yet, but they were definitely considering a resolution in support of SB 6, what was it, 691? Yeah. Yeah, apologies for being the bearer of bad news. No, it's okay. We get overlooked a lot. Um, so I'll still, I'll, oh, you moved in, you seconded. I will, we should still move forward with this and have it passed, but that is disappointing news, and I appreciate you letting me know. Uh, so, okay, it was your motion, right, Commissioner Utting? Okay. Um, Commissioner Utting motions to approve this letter, seconded by Commissioner Loftus. Is there any public comment? Um, if members of the public would like to speak and have not done so, you can raise your hand in the WebEx app. You can press star three, and you have no public comment. Great. So now we'll be taking a voice vote on this letter. All those in favor of approving, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed, say nay. Great. So the motion passes. Congrats to Commissioners Barger-Plummer, Utting, and Loftus, and thank you for your work on this bill. 
um, hopefully we can, hopefully it's reintroduced and we can revisit this topic sometime in the future. Um, and then on to the next item, which is SCA2, um, presented by myself and Vice Chair Barker Plummer. So basically, um, people from Senator, what was his last name? Stern. Stern. Senator Stern's office and also CASC, which is the California Association of Student Councils, reached out to me and they asked if we could support SCA2, which is basically the initiative to lower the statewide voting age to 17. Um, because they knew that the San Francisco Youth Commission has um, worked on Vote 16 in the past. Um, and yeah, we were just in conversation about what collaboration would look like in terms of like youth empowerment bills and um, like extending suffrage to youth um, through Vote 16 and also through SCA2. Um, Commissioner Barker Plummer, would you like to add anything? Um, no. <laughs> I did, I mean, ditto everything you just said. Yeah, you're the one who is really putting the work into connecting with these folks too. So I appreciate that and shout you out and appreciate you. Thank you. Um, is there any discussion or questions about the letter? I had a couple points yes. um, to make. I will say I do have some concerns about lowering the voting age just because of the lack of civic education that I've witnessed on a local and a state level. And I know that we recently conducted a survey on civic engagement in San Francisco and found that a majority of youth under 18 did not feel prepared to vote. So I do have concerns there. However, I do think that it, I do agree that 18 is a big time of transition and a one, one year difference um, may be able to help voter turnout. So I will just say that I, I would I will support this letter, but I do have concerns that we should be focusing our efforts on making sure that youth are prepared to vote before we give them the ability to vote. Um, and then one other thing that I'll add is your piece of uh, data that said that in, tw in the 2014 general election, only 8.2% of Californians el eligible youth voted. Um, I would include more recent data, which is from 2016, saying that actually voter turnout increased to 27.5%. So I just think that that would help um, to have more recent data. Great, thank you. Any other comments? I was just curious, what is the abbreviation SCA? Uh, Senate constitutional amendment, because it's coming from the Senate oh, okay. amendment to the constitution. Oh, so CA is constitution, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? Um, maybe for the furthermore robust body of evidence demonstrates that 16 to 17 year olds have necessary cognitive skills and civic knowledge to vote responsibly. That's a really big claim. I don't disagree with it, but I was I was thinking there could if there's any specific like study or psychological paper or anything to base that off of. I'm gonna be honest, like. Which paragraph are you referring to? That is on paragraph uh, three. Well, yeah. Which is, sorry, which is the Oh, plan? further, a robust body of evidence demonstrates that 16 and 17-year-olds have the, that one, right? A robust, where is that? Right here. Right here. Okay. Um, well, I'll say that. I mean, the first claim in that paragraph research shows that the earlier in life one votes, the more likely they are to continue voting. I can share with you the the studies of that. I... Oh no, I'm 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 not disagreeing. I'm just saying that specifically 
that sentence a robust body of evidence without even like some not to be a mock trial kid but some offer of proof um i just i think it would make it stronger i don't disagree with with what your the letter mm -hmm. Just a question um, to Commissioners Utting and Loftus. Would you guys like want us to make, like, would you want to make a motion to table this and like have us add in evidence from the 2016 election and a footnote for that? Or would you still be in support of the letter regardless if we make those changes or not? I would prefer a change, especially um, the 2016 evidence, because I feel like it's a little bit misleading to include 2014 when there was such a drastic increase in turnout in the 2016 election. Yeah, similar to Commissioner Udding, I really support this letter and I just think that these changes will make it a lot stronger, which is what my aim is. I mean, I don't know about Chairwin, I'd be happy to table until the next um, for Youth Commission meeting and make those edits with you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think there's any rush on this um, and I agree with those edits as well. Yes. Enjoy. Um, this bill is alive and thriving. So, do do we expect a vote on it soon? Um, do we know if we know that? So it got re-referred to the committee of ENCA. I don't know what that means. Um, so it's good. It's still in committee. But do we know if it's going to be voted on soon, or do we not? Uh, no, no, it's not getting voted down soon. Okay, so in that case, it's fine to table. Okay. Um, and also, like a little update, I think Alondra will be attending. We, there's like the SCA2 biweekly meetings, which is basically like where all the partner coalitions come together. Um, so Alondra will be attending that this Thursday and giving an update that the Youth Commission is working on a letter to support them. Um, so we'll make these changes and have this. Huh? Okay. Do you want, wait, did someone make a motion? Motion to table? Commissioner Utting. Seconded, Commissioner Loftus. Commissioner Utting motions to table the letter, seconded by Commissioner Loftus. Um, is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak, please press star three or raise your hand in the app. And you have no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Um, now we'll be doing a voice vote. All those in favor of tabling this letter, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed say nay. Great. So we'll be revisiting this letter in the next full youth commission meeting. And then on to the next item, which is AB 1497 presented by Commissioner Colleen. Yes. So this um, AB 1497 is by Matt Haney, and it basically ensures that survivors of um, domestic violence and human traffic traffickers are able to share their stories in courts and have the judge consider their stories when um, delivering like a sentencing um, and that's basically it um, and there's some in the letter there's some data um, such as like 34% of women will experience domestic violence in their lifetimes um, and then it goes more into depth of like what the bill would um, allow to happen. Any questions? Okay. <laughs> Open up that. Um, 
Well, I I just like when I was when I was reading this, I was a little confused on like what the bill does. Mm-hmm. But that's probably just because the language is like a bit dense. It says it at the very end, like the second page. Oh, I see. Um, forgot that. It goes more into depth of what AB fourteen ninety seven would do. Mm-hmm. You want me to state it into the record, or it's fine. No, no, no. You don't have to read it. Just. So overall, it's just like ensuring that survivors of violence are like they have resources when they're in court yeah, um, and, and their stories are heard and like taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. And it does like a variety of things to do. Yes. That. Okay. In addition to that. Yes. Okay. Um, are there any other questions or comments? Okay. Seeing none. Is there a motion to approve this letter? Motion to approve this letter. Motion to approve, Commissioner Etting. Or she just approved. Oh, or she just motioned. So you would second. Seconded? Yeah. Okay. Um, Commissioner Colleen motions to approve the letter, seconded by Commissioner Utting. Um, is there any discussion on this motion? Seeing none, is there any public comment? If members of the public would like to speak and have not done so, please press star 3 or raise your hand in the WebEx app. And you have no public comment. Great. Um, so the motion has passed. Thank you, Commissioner Colleen, for your work on this letter. Um, and then on to, oh, we got to do a vote. All those in favor of approving the letter, please say aye. Aye. Okay. Congrats, Commissioner Colleen, and thank you for your work on this letter. Um, and then can you please call item number eight, not the standard one? Uh, yes. Um, now item... Eight, which is legislation referred, file number 230420, calling on the mayor to fund 2,000 new shelter or temporary housing placements. And then today we have a legislative of Jackie Thornhill here, and then this was referred by Commissioner Miller? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, so did Commissioner Miller want to explain this, or should I just pass it off to legislative aide Jackie Thornhill? Um, maybe, um, uh, Jackie could go first and then I can, I don't know, just ask questions or provide a little bit more of the perspective we talked about in HRT. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you so much, Jackie, for, um, taking your time to explain this legislation to us. Um, and feel free to start whenever you're ready. Hi, commissioners. Um, thank you for having me today. Apologies for not being able to be there in person. But I'm still recovering from a mild case of COVID and waiting for that first negative test. Um, so I'll make this quick and then answer any questions you might have. Uh, San Francisco, this is, this, as you know, this is a resolution calling on the mayor to fund 2,000 new shelter or temporary housing placements over the next two fiscal years. Uh, that is because San Francisco provides more permanent housing, more permanent supportive housing per capita than any other city in the United States, yet 55% of people experiencing homelessness here are unsheltered. Our shelters are not perfect, but they were a much better place to ride out the 60 mile per hour winds we saw in March and the overwhelming storms we saw last winter than it has. And continuing to allow unsheltered homelessness is a policy choice that other cities have not made. In New York City, which provides over twice as many shelter placements per capita than San Francisco, 
and guarantees a legal right to shelter, 96.2% of people experiencing homelessness are living indoors. In Boston, which does not guarantee a right to shelter, but does provide over twice as many shelter placements per capita as San Francisco, 95.2% of people experiencing homelessness are living indoors. This is despite the fact that both cities provide significantly less permanent supportive housing per capita than San Francisco. Um, All Home, a regional housing policy think tank, released a regional action plan in 2021 to address homelessness in the Bay Area. That regional action plan found, quote, in order to reduce unsheltered homelessness rapidly, most cities or counties will need to front load investment into interim housing options, such as leasing or purchasing motels, tiny homes, mobile homes, or other temporary housing options. Um, the Bay Area Council Economic Institute released a report on homelessness in 2021 as well. They found that a Bay Area-wide shelter mandate could shelter the vast majority of the region's homeless population for approximately $245 million in one-time capital expenditures and $481 million in annual spending on services and management. Um, by the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing's own estimates, they can stand up seven shelter placements for the cost of one permanent housing placement. Um, a broad coalition of San Francisco stakeholders have called for the city to prioritize the rapid expansion of shelter, including the San Francisco Travel Association, San Francisco Benefit District Alliance, Council of District Merchants Associations, SF Marin Medical Society, um, and a lot of others. And I hope the Youth Commission will join them today. And I'm glad to answer any questions you might have. Great. Thank you so much, Jackie. Um, I'll pass it off to Commissioner Miller if you want to explain a little bit more about why you referred this legislation or like start off with any questions you may have initially. Yeah, so thank you so much for being here tonight, Jackie. Um, you know, this definitely caught my attention just because, you know, um, housing is and, you know, the homelessness crisis that we have on our streets is, you know, such an important, you know, issue. Um, and, uh, you know, it seems like that um, at least some of this is in response, um, several of the whereas clauses, uh, you know, reference a 24-hour response. Um, and I, I believe that alludes to like a court case um, that happened last fall um, that prevented the city from, you know, uh, doing their, you know, bag and tag and like essentially homeless sweep, you know, programs where the Department of Emergency Management and Public Works and the police and everybody, you know, goes out and basically, you know, kicks homeless people, you know, down the block and takes their stuff. Um, so, you know, while I, I think we've talked about this in HRT, uh, which is our Housing, Recreation, and Transportation Committee, you know, we believe that it's a very, you know, important issue um, to increase funding for this and, you know, provide more shelter beds. Um, but I'm just, you know, curious, like, you know, would you say that this is a response um, to the court case that would, you know, basically allow the city to re resume the bag and tag and sweeps? So a little bit of context on the 24-hour response um, that's referenced in the resolution is that Supervisor Mandelman submitted a letter of inquiry to the Department of Emergency Management back in January 
asking them, they're the department, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the various aspects of the city's homelessness response, but um, the Department of Emergency Management coordinates the city's Healthy Streets Operations Center, which is an interdepartmental effort that works to resolve uh, some of the largest, um, most challenging encampments in the city. That's particularly where we've seen uh, a lot of violence, a lot of fires, and other issues. There were over 700 encampment fires in the city last year, I believe, in 2022. Um, so HSOC will go out. They will secure shelter beds that match the number of people in that encampment that day. They will make an offer of shelter or housing uh, to each person in that encampment. So uh, pretty much every time some of those people will accept, some of those people will not accept. Uh, the people who don't accept generally are not allowed to remain there or were not. Uh, there's an injunction that you referenced that makes that a little bit more complicated now. Um, but essentially, Supervisor Mandelman sent a letter to the Department of Emergency Management saying, what would HSOC need to respond to every encampment within 24 hours? And they responded and said, we would need a lot more shelter beds. Because even prior to the injunction, we were under um, Boise versus Martin, which is a case where the Ninth Circuit basically said you can't require you can't require someone to move or in any way penalize them for camping on the street unless you have already offered them another place to be. And so that has been the status quo for a number of years. Um, and so we get, as I'm sure you know, as a legislative aide, the number one thing that we get in every office is encampments. Um, at least the districts that have encampments and district does have encampments. So that is. We're getting emails, we're getting calls on a daily basis um, from residents who are dealing with a variety of health and safety issues that are often associated with large um, unregulated structures and encampments. And so our goal is to try to get as many of those people out of encampments into shelter as possible, and that's going to require a lot more shelter. So I guess then, you know, I'm curious, um, you know, you mentioned that many people, you know, will decline services, you know, from even when they're offered has you know the department of environment or not environment emergency management or you know any other department have they conducted you know research into you know like why don't these people want to be going to the city shelters like what's you know it seems like logically people don't want to be homeless so why what's the issue with city shelters that they don't want to go to the shelter that's a really important question i appreciate that so the history of shelters goes back to, I mean, at least modern shelters, as we know them, the 80s. And the original shelters that we created were really inhumane, large congregate spaces with a bunch of cots or bunks um, where people were basically crammed together and institutionalized. And we've come a long way since then, especially in the past few years. Um, to your point, the city has done a lot of engagement with people who are experiencing homelessness right now. Why is it they're not accepting shelter? Pre-COVID, San Francisco pioneered an entirely new model of shelter called the Navigation Center, which you might be familiar with. And so there's like the three things. There's the pets, partners, and belongings are like the three things that were the main reasons why people were not accepting shelter. They couldn't bring their pets, they couldn't stay with their partners, and they could not bring enough of their belongings. And so we created navigation centers where you can be with your partner, where you have more space. It's not fully, it's not, it's still congregate, but it's, you have more privacy, and you can bring you can bring your pets, you can be with your partner, you can bring more stuff. The navigation centers, we saw the rate at which people were accepting go up significantly. Then when COVID hit, 
that one of the things we did that was initially a public health response, but we found was actually really good for getting people to accept and making shelter more humane, is that we got rid of time-limited shelter stays. We used to give out like a one-night shelter stay or a 30-day shelter stay or a 60-day shelter stay, and we would kind of cycle people in and out of shelter. We don't do that anymore. Now, once you're in shelter, unless you leave voluntarily, you are indoors and you have a guaranteed place where you can be. And so that has helped. Now people know they're not going to get kicked out after a week or a month, and so they might be more willing to accept. And then the huge thing that we've also done through COVID and have continued to double down on is non-congregate shelter. So shelters where you actually have your own room or you only share a room with a roommate, more of a dorm style. Um, and those have been really popular and people have been much more likely to accept those. So in an ideal world where we were allowed to deficit spend in the way that the federal government is, and we did have to balance our budget every year, we would offer every single person living on the streets a housing unit. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the resources to do that, and the status quo has been that we've allowed our streets and sidewalks to serve as the waiting room for housing. Um, again, a shelter bed is one-seventh the capital cost of a housing unit, so we want to make those shelter beds as humane as possible so that as many people will accept them as possible, um, and that we've been doing a lot of work on that front. I'm sure we have more work to do, and we will continue doing that. Yeah, that makes sense. And if I could just ask, so is there like a, do you envision like a pathway? Because, you know, you mentioned that, you know, it's one seventh of the cost of a, a permanent housing, but, you know, eventually, of course, we want to have people, you know, have permanent, you know, stable housing. So, so what's, what's the pathway to that? I think there's there's multiple different pathways um, for different people and different populations. I think, frankly, we need the state and federal governments to step up more and make larger investments in this space, particularly in affordable housing and permanent supportive housing. Um, I think it's telling that that is one of the most expensive interventions, yet we as a city are picking up most of the tab for it. It should really be the other way around. The federal and state government should be picking up most of the tab, and we should be supporting them. Um, I think there's also we have a pathway that we managed to get a lot of people through where you get off the street, you get into shelter, you get into permanent housing. We don't have a lot of pathways for people who might need a slightly different resource. So there's a lot of people in San Francisco who are dealing with substance use disorder who get into a detox and then get into a 60 or 90 day residential treatment program. According to Health Right 360, we should have three residential step-down beds for every person coming out of a 60 or 90-day program. That step-down bed is a place where you can live in a sober environment with other people who are in recovery for maybe two or three years, at least a year and a half, sometimes longer. And you can find yourself some stability. You can work on getting a job and becoming um, self-sustaining ultimately. We don't have nearly enough of those. So what we do is a lot of people who graduate that 60 or 90 day program, we send them into permanent supportive housing, which means two things. One, that's a permanent supportive housing unit that could have gone to someone else who is maybe permanently disabled in a way where they're not going to be able to recover and get a job one day. And two, frankly, a lot of our permanent supportive housing, and we need to really diversify where we're building it, is in neighborhoods where we also currently have open air 
addressing for people who are in recovery, that is a really difficult place to be to maintain your recovery. And that's why we've seen exponentially higher overdose rates in permanent supportive housing than um, other types of housing throughout the city. And then on the other side, you also have people who are dealing with behavioral health issues that are frankly too acute to be treated in our shelter system, in our housing system. And they really need either a board and care facility or some sort of inpatient residential mental mental health treatment program or even a locked substitute bed. Um, there's a lot of people with dual diagnoses who are getting evicted from permanent supportive housing going back onto the streets because behavioral health issues have not been adequately dealt with. So I think there's a lot of different paths toward long-term stability and, and towards the best possible life for people who are experiencing homelessness. And it depends a lot on why they're homeless and what uh, substance use or behavioral health issues they may or may not be dealing with. I see. And just a uh, last question. Um, like, have you done any outreach to like, you know, homeless uh, advocacy orgs? You know, what, what are they saying about this? Because it seems like, like reading through this, you know, you talked about, you know, SF travel, you know, business like coalitions, you know, people who for them, you know, like uh, homelessness is just, you know, it's just like a, it's not even really like the people for them. It's like the, the concept that's driving away business for them. So like, what are the people who are actually, you know, working with these, you know, homeless people, like the, the service providers, what do they have to say about this? Yeah, so one organization whose support we really appreciate is the SF Marin Medical Society. They represent um, physicians in San Francisco County, and they represent especially the emergency room physicians who are people cycling through our emergency room. Um, people, we, we're still working on getting the data to fully support that there's not adequate data yet, but our limited understanding is that when someone's living on the street, they cycle through our emergency rooms and psych emergency a lot more often than they would be if they were in welfare. And so we hear a lot from the medical society, this is a big priority for them. Their doctors are treating people who are experiencing homelessness and seeing emergencies that live on the street are causing them uh, day in and day out. And then frankly, to answer your question, um, Coalition on Homelessness, we have a disagreement with the Coalition on Homelessness. They want to prioritize city funding for permanent supportive housing. Um, and we believe that the status quo of prioritizing funding for housing while not investing adequately in shelter and allowing our streets and sidewalks to serve as the waiting room is inhumane, uh, irrational, and we should make a policy choice to not do that anymore. So we, we agree to disagree with them on this one. Thank you. If I can jump in, um, I, I actually want to thank Supervisor Mandelman and you specifically. I know you're the one who's really been working a lot on this um, in his office. So thank you both for, for working on this. Um, I think that especially considering the recent judicial order um, in regards to how we enforce uh, homelessness laws and get people into shelter has really sort of paralyzed the response at the moment. So I'm wondering, you know, what time scale this is possible. I don't know if DEM or HSH sort of has an idea of how long it's going to take them to build these kind of uh, shelter beds, as well as, you know, that's that's the only time in which we can then begin to um, move people back into shelter. So I'm wondering how we, um, what, the, what the time scale looks like on their end. I'll put it this way. Ten years is um, We would be very excited to see them stand up 2,000 possible. 
they've stood up more than two thousand. If you look at what they've done in the past, they can stand up a couple thousand units in a couple of years, but it's aggressive. So um, I think it's possible that this might be more of a three, four, or five year project. Um, we'd like to go as quickly as possible. I mean, now is the time to be aggressive on this issue, isn't it? So we'll, we'll go as fast as we can. That's the idea. Are there any other questions? Yes, Commissioner Wong. Um, do you know where um, the shelter is going to be located within the city? That's a great question, and I think that's going to be a point of discussion when this comes to committee on Wednesday. Um, as, as you likely know, a lot of the city shelter resources have been concentrated in a handful of districts. That is largely a function of the historic zoning of the city, and shelter has historically gone into areas that were historically zoned industrial and non-residential uses, um, both because there are bigger lots that have deeper land where you can do more things on that lot, and because, frankly, there are less uh, neighbors in the area who will complain. Um, we've gone through a lot of our best sites for shelter. Um, I think acquisitions of current buildings, like 7-Eleven Post is 250 beds. It was a former youth hostel. It's a non-congregate shelter. That, in our opinion, has been a very successful model. We'd like to see more of those throughout the city. Um, so I think it's going to be a combination of acquiring existing buildings, trying to make the best possible use of open land. Um, but frankly, there's going to be a lot of running into, like, there's whole neighborhoods where property values are so high that it is really hard for the city to justify trying to acquire or lease land in those areas. Um, there are neighborhoods where people are going to vehemently oppose shelter, and that's going to become a local uh, political battle. And so um, each, each individual shelter is, you know, to some degree going to be in the fight. Um, and I think that's an important point to acknowledge in this whole conversation. All right. Thank you. Commissioner Colleen. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, oh. Did anyone else have any questions? Um, if not, we thank you so much for your time here with us today and for working on this legislation and explaining it to us. Um, it's a very important issue, so I'm very grateful that you guys are tackling it at Supervisor Mandelman's office. Um, if we have any further questions, we'll be sure to email you if that's okay. Sounds good. Thanks for your time, everyone. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jackie. Goodbye. Um, okay, so is there a motion on the table to approve this legislation? Well, I'd like to discuss more, you know, okay. yeah, I'd just like to discuss this more, you know, now that we've, you know, had a chance to, you know, gain some, like, clarification on this, because, you know, I think while it, it is important, you know, that we do have, you know, some solution to homelessness I, I I don't know it just seems like this is very clearly a way for them to and I think Commissioner Barker Plummer alluded to this is you know quote unquote enforce our homelessness laws and you know force people off of the streets who don't want to go into some of these shelters because you know they've had past trauma in these shelters you know they don't feel safe and we want to force them out of where they're staying you know there's there's videos and you can go watch them online they've done investigative reporting of the Department of Public Works takes homeless people's property um, when they're doing these sweeps that we're trying to, you know, re-legalize. They quote-unquote bag and tag it, but they don't really properly identify which bag is whose. They just throw everything in a truck and the people will never see it again. And people have lost, you know, 
the ashes of their loved ones and stuff, you know, through these, you know, quote unquote, homeless laws to, you know, make the, you know, San Francisco Chamber of Commerce or Travel Association, whoever happy, you know, appease, you know, whatever neighbors who are still going to oppose these homeless shelters. Um, it just, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like there's a pathway into, you know, long-term solutions. And it's great to, you know, get people off the street into temporary shelter. But, you know, as the presenter mentioned, you know, if people are having, you know, these, uh, you know, mental health or substance abuse issues that they're just ending up back on the streets, they're not successfully being transferred into the services they need or, you know, permanent supportive housing, you know, um, rehab, whatever it may be. We're, we're sure we're spending one seventh of the money, but we're just not getting any long-term result out of it. With all due respect, we're getting no long-term result right now. People are still on the street. Yeah, people that's aren't, why... People aren't getting into supportive housing. And, you know, that's why I think, and we, we heard about, you know, some of the reasons to that at, you know, the LGBTQ task force meeting that I was at, that, you know, HSH has, you know, this blanket form where they try to assess, you know, somebody who just turned 18 and is, you know, kicked out of their own home, you know, newly homeless, and they're trying to navigate the process and they can't even be placed in, you know, permanent supportive housing because, you know, they have no history of, you know, being homeless. They don't, they don't qualify. They don't meet the certain, you know, whatever risk threshold um, that HSH is using to place people. So I think we need to look at that process. We, we should be, um, you know, directing our funding so that people who want to be in these programs and they want to get rehab, we should be funding that. We shouldn't be funding something that we're going to force people against their will, you know, into these shelters. Any other comments or questions in regards to the legislation? I would just say, Mary. Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Um, I would just say, you know, ultimately this resolution is calling for 2,000 new shelter beds and temporary housing placements in San Francisco. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that we have been having the same policy on this issue, and you know, everyone talks about it, right? Like homelessness is a part of living in San Francisco. I was raised that way. I was raised with you know, people being on the street, being a normal site that I just walked by. And I, I actually kind of look back on that and I think like, what a what an inhumane position to, to have. Um, and I, I really respect what Commissioner Miller is saying and what um, opponents of this say. Like, I really, I think both sides have a good point. Like, there's a reason that people don't go into the shelter that we have right now. I think that we need to work on that. I also think that the vision that this is putting forward, like, um, Jackie Thornhill spoke to us about is for is for better shelters that people will end up accepting and will thrive in and will find um, ways to to uh, leave homelessness. So that's my hope. Um, I also want to say, like, this is an ongoing conversation that the city is going to be having. I'm okay with not supporting or not. I'm okay with not supporting or just having no. Uh, sorry, I'm okay with having no position on this resolution and sort of having our comments all be included in the record um, as feedback. But I think it is also worth mentioning, like, there is an attempt to change course here. And I, I, I take that, you know, optimistically, because I really, I think that what we've been doing for the last 20, 30, 40 years just isn't working. And I think people are, we're, we're meeting a breaking point where that's really 
becoming evident. Yeah, and I'd agree that, you know, we, we don't have to, you know, take a support or opposed position today and that, you know, I agree with you that, yeah, you know, we should be working to, you know, improve these shelters and then we can entice people to go into them on that, you know, basis so that they do feel safe and they do feel that they can get the support they need and want to go, you know, voluntarily. But to me, this just seems like we want to build as many as possible, as quick as possible to, you know, start enforcing these, you know, ordinances again. Um, so I, I think it's a, if it, I, I would be very happy, you know, commenting on it with no position and just saying, you know, because I agree with you, you know, we should provide, you know, better shelter and higher quality shelter that people want to go to. So I'm very agreeable to that. Any other comments or questions? I mean, I, do you want to go? I was just going to say quickly, I, I sort of agree with what both Commissioner Miller and Commissioner Barco Plummer have been saying and that, um, you know, certain aspects of both of their arguments, and I would probably support no position on this as well, because on the one hand, it's, it's a solution. It's not really the solution we need um, to, to really address this issue, but um, it, I guess it's something, and maybe we don't want to be opposing that. Yeah, um, I was just going to say I also agree with both commissioners. I feel like there's, well, there's a lot of nuances to the policy that I haven't yet understood, but I do think that we can work on both things at the same time. Like, I think we can fund these temporary units, um, and we can also, like, work on building more permanent housing for people um, and just making the city more equitable and livable in terms of, like, affordability. Um, and... I don't know, I just, I think I'm also in support of taking no position because there's a lot of nuances and I think this is something that we can work on while also addressing, you know, the, like the permanent housing crisis in the city as well. Any other comments from people? Okay, um, if not, do we have a motion to just like have no comment on the legislation well, and add our comments. Comment. I'll move or have, have no position. No recommendation with the comments that were yeah. all of the comments that were shared today being incorporated. Can you repeat that just for a clear record? Yeah, I'll I'll move to have no recommendation on the legislation but to respond with the comments that were made by all commissioners today. Any seconds? Seconded, Commissioner Atting. Okay. Commissioner Barger Plummer motions to have no recommendation on the legislation, but include all comments from commissioners. Seconded by Commissioner Utting. Is there any discussion on this motion? I just like to add that um, I just appreciate that we're like able to accept all of the nuances um, and just like move forward. I, I hope that we can talk to more people from the DA office about this legislation and just um, continue to stay updated on it um, because it's very important and I don't think one resolution is going to solve anything obviously but it, it, it will progress us a little forward which I appreciate. Um, so yeah we can definitely stay updated on this legislation and I'm glad that we were able to still include our comments. Would we be able to in the future potentially have, you know, a group like Coalition on Homelessness or some other homeless advocacy org come to the Youth Commission and present? 
Thank you. Yes, we can work on that. Thank you. Um, now, is there any public comment on this motion? If members of the public would like to speak on this item, you can raise your hand in the WebEx app or press star three if you're calling in. And you have no public comment. Um, okay, now we'll be moving into a voice vote. All those in favor of um, approving this legislation with our comments and recommendations, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed, please say nay. Um, okay, so the motion has passed. And then on to the next item of the agenda. Clerk, can you please call item number 10? Item number 10 is committee reports. Starting off with the executive committee, I'll pass it off to officers Shaw and Hum. Hey, all, it's Commissioner Hum. Um, there was no new um, youth-related Board of Supervisors legislation introduced last week, um, but we did have one announcement, uh, which is regarding actually with the new shelter uh, or temporary housing placement resolution. Um, uh, Commissioner Shaw and I have decided to turn out for public comment um, for this item. It will be on May 3rd at the Budget and Appropriations Committee, committee uh, agenda item number two at 1.30 p.m. Um, so if you guys are able to provide public comment, please let us know. If not, um, you can submit something in writing to us and we'll forward it to staff so that they can present as well. Thank you. Anything to add? Um, Stephen, or Commissioner Holm, covered it as far as external and just to emphasize as far as internal, um, resolutions within Youth Commission are concerned. We want to continue reaching out to folks um, in support of um, legislation and pieces that folks are working on. So we also want to continue being a resource. But that was a big announcement. Um, that concludes our report. Thank you. And then I'll pass it off to Officers Listan and Ati. Uh So we'll be posting some more things this week. That includes we have a new takeover. Um, so Commissioner Collin would, is going to be taking over the Instagram this week. And then um, we'll also be posting the hearing, uh, the school safety hearing tonight. And Commissioner... Have we decided what the Canva is going to look like for that? <laughs> Commissioner Utting will edit the Canva. It's not, that, to her. it's not that bad. <laughs> um, and then I will be posting updates on like legislation referred and resolutions um, that have been passed starting this Friday once I finished my AP exams. <laughs> Real. Oh yeah, um, and this is like one last update. We um, are doing a City Hall info session for the Youth Commission on May 11th from 4.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. And one of the big things about it is that Applicants will be able to talk to current commissioners. So if any of y'all can come, please come. And if you can't, at least just like tell your friends about it or like talk about it in your schools. Um, yeah, that's it. And you get free food out of it, so why not come? I just like to add also for applications, if people could also help promote those, um, maybe like in your school newsletter 
or just like reposting on your instagram or something um yeah thank you comms um and then the next group is the general committee updates i'll pass it off to vice chair barker Plummer. thank you uh the executive committee met last wednesday to approve today's agenda awesome um thank you on to the next group which is the housing recreation and transit committee i'll pass it off to vice chair anish sorry my computer turned off okay so we met last week and basically what happened was we had a presentation from the d6 can you speak into the mic we have a presentation from the d6 office i think about bike storage and safety and as like a committee we discussed how to move forward with that and how we could like implement safer ways of bike storage in sf and different districts um and then we went over a legislation referred but i don't think the legislation had anything really to do with our committee so we like left it at no comment and that was it and we went over some resolutions that are being worked on but probably won't get done until like after school ends yeah great do you have anything to add yeah i just note that um we are having a meeting in collaboration with the sfmta's youth transportation advisory um board next monday i think we'll be sharing a bit about our bpps and then just you know answering any questions or it's a good time for us to you know collaborate and learn more about the work that they're doing as well so I don't know if any other commissioners happen to be interested in their work. Um, you're always welcome to join us. Awesome. Um, that concludes the HRT report. Does anyone have any questions? Okay. And then on to uh, CEC. I'll pass it off to Chair Loftus and Hum. Um, we didn't meet two Tuesdays ago, but last Thursday we had a uh, hearing with members of the Board of Supervisors that I think was very productive. We heard from a lot of public comment. It was on Proposition G and uh, school safety, and there was a lot of public comment specifically on that second issue. And we also got to ask questions to a lot of presenters. Um, anything you want to add about that hearing, Stephen? No? Also, um, I I'm now best friends with the um, Austrian ambassador and uh, what, chancellor of education because I um, I represent the CEC in a meeting with them and we are best friends. Awesome. Do you guys mind talking a little bit more about the hearing, how the hearing went? This Just like what brief. what was like the main topics of discussion? It was it was. Prop G um, and how we had the superintendent there. Um, we got to ask questions to how SFUSD was going to start rolling out that funding. Um, the timeline was a little bit vague in, in some places and we had some questions about that. Do you want to say something? Um, Chair Nguyen, um, the committee hasn't debriefed the, the hearing yet. Um, so once CEEC meets back up again, we'll probably give you a better summary. Um, but in in short, I think um, supervisor the supervisor in that meeting loved working with us um, in that conversation with you. Awesome. I'll stay tuned for the debrief. Um, and then, yeah, 
I have a note that for CEC leadership is now Chair Maureen Loftus and Vice Chair Stephen Hum. Okay. For your record in the future. Okay. Thank you for letting me know. Um, okay. Are there any questions for CEC? I was just curious, or well, I just had a comment more or less that I think it would be helpful. Like, I know we promoted the, um, when we heard from um, different uh, groups about juvenile justice here, um, and I know it wasn't a full youth commission meeting, but it would have been nice just to have like an Instagram post or something promoting that hearing. Cause I was like, oh, wow, this is happening. Like, at, like as it was already happening. So wait, which hearing the, um, hearing that CEEC had. Yeah. I don't think so. I think I made the request for a flyer and it looked like I believe um, I sent in a request for a flyer and there was a draft, but it was never posted. Um, okay, we'll make sure to post that next time. Our bad. Oh my god. Yeah, I literally made it. Mm -hmm. Oh, you did? I literally made it. I just made it. Oh, all good. All good. Um, yeah, we, we will be mindful of that in the future. Thank you, CEC. Um, okay. So are we going to have a debrief of the hearing as an agenda item on the next full youth commission meeting? We're going to be talking about it at our next CEC meeting tomorrow. You are more than welcome to join us. If you want to agendize it, we can also do that. Although it will have been a long time for our memories at that point. Okay. Um, okay. On to the next committee, TJ, I'll pass it off to Chair Colleen. We have not met for the past two meetings, but will be next week. And I believe there's some fun um, items on the agenda. Okay. What's on the agenda? I believe there's a resolution, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then some legislation referred as well. Okay. Cool. Thank you, TJ. Um, and then on to the LGBTQ plus task force, Chair Listana. Um, yeah, we were able to meet like, oh, um, we were able to meet recently and, es and essentially our meeting was about like, like queer youth homelessness and just meeting with Lyric, wait, yeah, you know, Lyric as an LGBT center and Larkin. Well, I, I don't think there was a, I forgot. Yeah, I don't think there goes there. Um, but Larkin Street Services and the SF LGBT Center on just like their work on queer homeless youth and just like what we could do. And we've also started a resolution. Well, you and Sun will still work on it, but we have started a resolution on like queer youth homelessness based on what we learned from their presentations. Yeah, that's it. Great. Thank you, Commissioner Listana. And then um on to the next item of the agenda. Are there any questions for any of their reports? Seeing none, um, is there any public comment on this item of the agenda? If members of the public would like to speak on any um, of the reports, uh, please press star three or raise your hand in the app. And then you don't have public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. And then, quick, can you please call item number 11? Item number 11 is roll call and introductions. Okay. Um, so we've done this a few times, but just as a reminder, roll call is where you can talk about what you've been working on on the commission, basically, like the resolutions you've been doing. If you want to 
um, organize a hearing, you could put in a request for a hearing, also talk about letters of inquiry, um, or just like any commission related activities. So like if you like read an article about an SF policy or like went to an event um, or met someone, now would be the time to report it to the rest of the commission. Um, and then I'll start off with Commissioner Colleen. Yes, um, most of my time in the past few weeks have been spent on preparing for a juvenile hall hearing that just happened. Um, the uh, letter of support that just passed today, and then I have some ideas for future resolutions, but those won't probably happen for another few weeks. Sounds good. Thank you, Commissioner Colleen. Commissioner M. In regards to commission-related work, I, in all honesty, have been like super swamped and out of town recently. So the resolution that Commissioner Wong and Utting and I were working on in regards to like city college and stuff hasn't made as much progress as hoped, but we did start like a survey that we wanted to send out a while ago, um, just gauging and gathering data on what high school or SFUSD students in particular feel about access to dual enrollment and concurrent enrollment programs. And then um, I also believe that I am in the midst of currently onboarding a new committee and I am going to get information from Alondra about that as well. Thank you, Commissioner M. Commissioner Wong. Um, recently, I was working on the letter of support with um, Alistair the, that was with regards to Larkin Street Services and their uh, budget asks. Um, we've also been trying to inquire about um, 78 Hate Street, but it seems that they're very hard to reach. Um, so we're going to try and reach out to them again just so that we can move forward with our resolution. Um, I've also just gotten contact information with one of the uh, workers with for early college with SFUSD, so um, I'm trying to set up a time for us to meet with them um, and converse about uh, converse more about the whole city college process, you know, um, with for dual enrollment. Um, and that's about it. Thank you, Commissioner Wong, Commissioner Pimentel. Um, I've been working on juvenile hall stuff. I've been I also went to the juvenile probation committee. Um, I've been meeting with the Young Women's Freedom Center, and then um, me and um, Commissioner Hum are working on a mental health resolution, and then uh, me and Commissioner Loftus, um, we repurpose our BPP, and we're going to do financial literacy, and I think Commissioner Thing is going to help us with that, too. Um, and yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Commissioner Pimentel. And then um, Commissioner Hillman. So I've been working on the resolution with Raven um, due to like school issues. Haven't made as much progress, but in the coming weeks, I'll be making sure to work on it with her. Thank you, Commissioner Hillman. Commissioner Listana. Um, I've mainly just been working on like stuff for the LGBTQ plus task force as well as comms recently, and I am trying to repurpose my BPP into a resolution, but I've been getting kind of sidetracked lately, so I haven't really worked on it that much, but I plan to. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. 
Thank you. And then lastly, Commissioner Barker Plummer. Thank you. Um, I've been working on the GVOO resolution that we passed today. Um, I've begun working on with other CEC members a vote 16 resolution to urge the board of supervisors to place that on the ballot again, um, as well as preparing for our May 15th hearing on school safety infrastructure policies and procedures, which reminder that that's happening at our next four youth commission meeting. Um, I suspect Commissioner Adding and I will actually send sort of more of a briefing information out to you all about that before the meeting. Um, that concludes my report. Thank you, Commissioner Barker Plummer. Um, and thank you everyone for reporting in general. I understand that like now is like a very hectic and busy time and a time of a lot of transition. So I appreciate that um, people are still staying engaged um, and reporting to the rest of the commission. And then, yeah, so now is the time for other legislative introductions. So like if you wanna call a hearing, now would be the time to do it, but I don't believe anyone has that in their agenda today, but. Okay, um, if not, Clerk, can you please call item number 12? Um, item number 12 is staff report. Staff, do you want to kick it away? Like three things. I would like to say that um, if you haven't submitted your time to me, your availability to schedule the meeting with your appointing officers, please do so. Um, this is the month before the mayor actually he will present her um, budget proposal for the next two fiscal years um, on June 1st. So got to get those meetings in before that. Um, and in addition, yes, like Commissioners Hum and Shaw said, if you, you wish to public comment on, on things, please let them know so then um, they can work on you, work with you to turn out to public comment. Thank you. Um, so I have three things. So staff has started to do summer planning. Um, so if you weren't with us last year, like involved, basically, um, apart from our daily like YC work, we did some fun activities in the summer, like tabling, um, hosting boba socials, um, touring the dome of City Hall. Yeah, very fun stuff. And so we're trying to expand that. So um, we're trying to host some like fun activities across the city, um, one of them being um, looking at transitional age housing. Um, so we were able to connect with the D9 office and they're able to connect us with the uh, Tay Housing in District 9. And so if y'all are interested in touring and seeing the different services and programming, please let me know, um, especially since they want to like a list of how many youth will be attending. Oh my God, sorry. And um, the other thing too is, so I know um, it's almost summertime, y'all are going through APs, uh, testing, or I don't know, other testing. So please like let staff know if you're like busy or if you're going on vacation for several months um, or weeks, days, I don't know what y'all decide to plan on. But please let us know because we wanna ensure that we have quorum um, during meetings or just like work around y'all's schedule. Yeah. Oh, and uh, we'll be conducting uh, various different trainings as well in the next few months. That's it. Great. Thank you so much, staff. Um, is there any questions for staff? Um, I had a question in regards to like summer planning. If we do, oh, sorry. Yeah. If we do know our schedule for the upcoming months, 
would you guys like us to just like send them to you in a big okay yeah understood i have a question too because um regarding like the schedules i just feel like there's going to be a lot of conflicts and at least for me like i think i've maxed out for like excused absences for exec um so i'm just like a little concerned because i know like people are going on vacation and stuff and there will be like meetings people will have to miss so just like how will that be like organized and coordinated yeah so um we have like a we created a spreadsheet just to coordinate like how many of y'all will be missing a particular meeting or event um so my suggestion would be that we uh, reschedule some of those meetings or seeing if we can cancel them i know last year mm -hmm. um we just canceled meetings be due to like there was not much business to be taken care of yeah like i know we were really busy beginning of this year but you know summertime it, it kind of cools down it's like a transitional time um and then also there's going to be opportunities for y'all to be engaged during like the interview process for the next cohort and so that took up uh, more time mm -hmm. so my suggestion would be to either cancel meetings as the chair of that committee sees fit or just reschedule those meetings, which we, we did a lot um, last summer. Yeah, I remember last term we ended super early. Um, yeah, we like canceled the last two meetings. Um, another thing too is, um, so I know last year we had um, vice chair uh, asha i someone a commissioner uh from asfog yeah oh yes yeah um they were missing like two months worth of meetings and so they decided to do a leave of absence so basically leave of absence is uh you're still a commissioner it's just uh we won't count your absences against you um, and you would be still in good standing. So if you're one of those commissioners who, you know, travels for two months in a row, a month in a row, or simply you will be missing the last full month of your term, I would suggest doing a, a leave of absence and you can, you know, talk to staff more about that process. Bless you. Great, thank you so much, Alondra and Joy. Are there any other questions for staff? What uh, day exactly does the term end or week? Technically, September 9th, Ooh. but, but, but um, we have all of August off. So your last meeting is the second, you guys yeah, second July meeting. July 27th, I want to say. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a calendar in front of me. July 17th. Never mind. Yeah, but usually, um, like, if y'all are here in August, we usually do, like, joint, like, sessions with, like, the new cohort, um, or y'all just come to the office and hang out, or... Uh, are there any responsibilities extending into September? The no. Okay. No, literally, like, August 1st, y'all are technically free. Okay, thank you so much. Any other questions? Um, if not, we can move to... Is Wait, is there any public comment on this item of the agenda? If members of the public would like to speak on staff reports, uh, please press star 3 or raise your hand in the app. And you have no public comment. 
Great, public comment is now closed. Can you please call item number 13? Item number 13 is announcements. Okay, so now is the time to share any community events or other announcements. I have one. Yes, go for it. Okay, hi. So um, tomorrow at uh, 6 p.m. at La Cocina Municipal Market in the Tenderloin, uh, it's part of like they're doing like a larger like celebration of the Tenderloin this week, but they're showing a movie. Um, it's a documentary called The Invisible Class. Um, it's being shown by St. Anthony's, but it's about like um, homelessness in America. So I'm going to go. I think it costs $10 for a ticket, but you actually get a free meal from like one of the, it's like, um, like women owned businesses like in the like marketplace there. So I don't know. The food's pretty good. I think it's worth 10 bucks if you're free. Great. Thank you so much, Commissioner Miller. Any other events? Yes. So um, what Commissioner Miller talked about is um, part of the greater um, I Love Tenderloin Week. So um, every day of today, of this week, um, there is a different thing happening in the Tenderloin. And so um, we will send out like calendar invites and just notes on what um, they are. Yeah. And then um, our very own Joy Zan is being um, recognized by the Board of Supervisors tomorrow at Ooh. the board meeting. So please let's give her a round of applause because I know y'all have school tomorrow and can't make it. But yeah, just wanted to give some amazing recognition to our amazing staff member. Oh, I literally could make that. When should go? Wait, what is it for and about? Do you want to talk about it? No, I don't. it's weird talking about my own thing. Um, it's for API Heritage Month. Um, Supervisor Shaman Walton is presenting it. There is something at 11 a.m. So I, if you don't have school, um, you're free to come. If you do drop by, um, that is fine too. Um, but if you can't, um, I'm sure that um, SFGov TV will broadcast the actual speech. Mm. Yeah, we can watch from class. <laughs> We can promote it on our Instagram. Yeah, true. True. Great. Thank you, Alondra. Um, congrats, Joy. Any other announcements? Um, okay. If not, can we please call item number 14? Item number 14 is adjournment. This meeting is adjourned at 7.06 p.m. Do we? No, I feel like it's a record. It is.